Somebody say Lady Cougars on three. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Lady Cougars on three podcast, where we chit, chat, chill, and spill. My name is Leslie. What's poppin', everybody? It's your girl, Sherry. Hey, y'all. It's Asia. And today we have an exciting episode. We are going to be talking about all things education. Well, not all things, but things all focused around education. And we have a special guest with us and we're super excited um, because he actually started as all of our coach or teacher. He turned into me, for me, a mentor. He became our friend and now he's actually my colleague in the education system. And so we are excited to have Mr. Michael A. Diggins. And so we're gonna bring him on in just a second. But before we do, we just wanna make some um, notes and reminders. Remember that you can follow, like, and subscribe to us on YouTube, on Spotify. You can listen to us on all podcast streaming platforms. Wherever you like to listen to it, go ahead and tap over there. Like us, share us with your friends, your family, all the people. And And your neighbors. All of the people. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, We love to hear from you, all of the things. And so we're excited for today's episode. And so we're going to bring him in. All right. So we want to say welcome to Mr. Michael Diggins. Hey, Diggins. What's up? What's up, ladies? How y'all doing? Hey, great. Good to see you. So um, feel free, go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you. Um, So my name is Michael Diggins. Um, I am friends of the show. Um, Love all of my ladies since they've been like, I don't know, 13 or 14 years old. Anyway, um, (laughs) I'm a 26 year educator um, in Alexandria City Public Schools and from Alexandria, born and raised. Very nice. So before we jump into the conversation, um, when we have our guests, we like to do an icebreaker just to get them loose. So Sherry, what are we doing with um, Mr. Michael Diggins today? We are doing two truths and a lie. (laughs) We went through a bunch of different topics uh, that we that we wanted to broach with you. We were like, we don't want to put them on the spot to have them tell a story about everybody. So instead, we'll just ease you in and let you do, you know, two truths and a lie. Okay, I appreciate that. Let's go. (laughs) All right. uh, I will go first. All right. I've been to the Bahamas three times. My first dog was a Cocker Spaniel. And while uh, throwing shot put for the track team, I actually went to Cotton Madden with the team, but I didn't participate in any events. She took it way back. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sitting here like, hmm. Wow. Um, <laughs> Which is the lie. Do we need some Jeopardy music? <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe that someone had a Cocker Spaniel. Wow. I don't believe what that. What does that mean? I, I think the Cocker Spaniel is a lie. Okay. That's Are we lie. waiting until the end? Or no, you can, you can go ahead. Okay. So the lie was that I've been to the Bahamas three times. I've been to the Dominican Republic three times. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, when she goes to the Bahamas? Yeah, I've only been to the Bahamas once. <laughs> but I've been to the DR. Me too. I was a baby. They'd have Girl, stuff. get out of here. That, that, that doesn't count. <laughs> Judge your mother. So the one, I was like, you should remember, because I was literally the only person that didn't participate in anything. I was supposed to participate in like the turkey trot or something. That, that, that wasn't <laughs> when she said it. I was like, um, I remember that. Like, 
That is. <laughs> yeah, that was very that. specific. It was very yeah. specific. I know. So I was like, I don't know. Mm. All right, Asia, you want to go? Sure. All righty. Hold on. <laughs> because I wrote it down. Oh, I'm okay. So I went to a taping for The Price is Right. I don't have my ears pierced. And I've gone skydiving in Dubai. Which is the lie? I'm going to say skydiving. It, it sounds crazy, like enough to be believable. I'm going to say skydiving in Dubai. And you would be correct. <laughs> but actually, you know what? Skydiving is the place to go. Like, if you're going to go skydiving, Dubai is the place to go. Mm. And I've been, but I was like, I'm not going skydiving. <laughs> we'll, have to talk, we'll have to talk about that visit to Dubai. Oh, okay. I gotta think about it. You know, that was years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everything was years ago. Right, We've been right, in the right. house for a year. 2020 yeah. was like 10 years by itself. So yeah. <laughs> literally when this airs, this it would have been a year, a full right. year since that this whole thing has really started. Right. I feel like um you have an advantage because I think out of the three of us, I think you know me the best. <laughs> so we'll see what you can do here. We shall um, here we go. I have traveled to or through more than half of the states. I have sung at the Kennedy Center, on stage at the Kennedy Center, and I ziplined across rivers in Mexico. That's good. I don't even know about that. That's good, yeah. yeah. I'm going to go with the first one. I hate you. <laughs> uh, and I thought it was ziplining. I, I, like, I, 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 I don't recall I, I don't recall ever hearing you saying, Oh, I've been to Vegas, or I've been to Texas. I'm like, no, you've been right. it may feel that way. I have been to both of those. Yeah. Right. It, that all that traveling was just in the state of Virginia. You thought you were somewhere else. No. Can I tell so, a quick story? Can I yes. tell a quick story? Yeah. Okay. Yes. So um up until maybe 20 years ago, right? Um, I thought that I had gone to Virginia Beach before. The whole time we had gone to um, Sandy Point. And I thought every year we had gone to Virginia Beach. Like, and that's in Maryland? Right, right, <laughs> right. I'm thinking we driving, going through Maryland, past Bowie, I see a bridge. I'm thinking we're in Virginia Beach. It's just Sandy Point. That's just the Black folks beach. So. Oh my gosh. I've, I've never been to Virginia Beach before. Poor thing. Well, I mean, you're not missing honestly. anything, but. Right, right. Poor thing. <laughs> How did you? <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah, so I've actually traveled to or through a lot, but it's not half. I've done all of the East Coast and I've done. You've Texas. been up to Maine? I have done majority of the East Coast. <laughs> Cause now that I'm sitting here and I was like, Leslie, you have not been to Maine, nor have you been to New Hampshire or Rhode Island. Those she's are the only two She's been to Maine been Avenue. Avenue. <laughs> you been to Vermont? Northeast. Yeah. I said yeah. to or through Asia. And, right. and I've been to Texas. I've been to a couple of states in the Midwest. Yeah, but it's not half. I know it's not 25. Um, and yes, and um, first of all, Asia judging me for I do zip line. I actually really, really love it. Yeah, but you don't do a cartwheel. That's not what I said. 
Oh, you're saying I won't do a car wheelie. I won't. Okay, yeah, I'll hang over a river in Mexico, but you will not see me put my hands to the ground and go upside down. No, <laughs> at least you got ropes and stuff tied to you. You know right. what I'm saying? Right. I could fall straight on my head from a car. At our big age, uh-uh, a joint might give loose the next thing no, you know. No, I'm not even talking about at our big planet. age. At our young age, she wasn't going no car <laughs> You're very judgy. Look, I'm just saying, <laughs> make it make sense. So judgy. The math, as the young kids say, the math is not mathing. That's right. <laughs> Whatever. All right, so um, thank you for participating. You did great. Um, yeah. Sherry you. stumped you. Um, that's yeah, fine. yeah, I'll be ready next time. <laughs> he said, I don't think anyone would have a Cocker Spaniel. It's like, dang, no that's one right. wears a Cocker Spaniel? <laughs> I mean, I was going to say something more controversial, but you know, I, I'm not sure who views your show. Okay. I don't know how many Black people have Cocker Spaniels, so I'm just we saying. Didn't, we didn't have Spotty for very long. Right. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah, we did. Because you like black people don't have cocker spaniels. You had to get rid of them. Yeah, we had yeah about two weeks, and then we um, gave him to a, a coworker of my mom's, where Who's he lived a, a long and happy life. Who was white? Black. Oh, okay. <laughs> Shut him down. Wait, wait. It's like who was white? No, black. black. <laughs> But he was new. Happy life. <laughs> good, good. That's all that matters. Yeah. That's all that matters. Yeah. <laughs> so as we mentioned in the intro, um, he is an educator and we all met him, like he said, around 13 or 14. I think I was 13 because I met mm -hmm. him from him uh, coaching and my brothers were doing track and then turned into our teacher. He coached Sherry and myself mm -hmm. and then now he is a friend, which is very weird because we still out of respect. There's no way that I will ever call you Michael. Never. <laughs> or Michael. Doesn't matter how long it's been. Doesn't matter that it's been over 20 years. Doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, so today we wanted to focus on some things about education because one, we trust your, um, your knowledge and your expertise in the subject matter. And I just think that right now with this um, pandemic still going on, right. it's something that definitely needs to be touched on. And so to kick us off, we're actually gonna go to Asia. Asia, um, what would you like to know first? Well, I would like to know what is like the backstory of how did you get involved in education or in the industry itself? Like what was like your aha moment? What prompted you to just say, you know, this this is the, the career path for me? Right. Um, you know, I, I had some incredible uh, sorry, I had some incredible teachers in, in ACPS, and I think it was it wasn't until I got into to high school at TC. You know, um, just just a quick story. Like um, I remember playing football at GW, and I saw one of my football coaches over the summer, and he was like, "Diggins, why don't you at practice?" And I was like, "You know, I'm thinking at the time TC is like college, right? Like tenth grade. I got to get ready for it academically." And he was like, "Man, how are you gonna get to college, right?" And, you know, at that point, it was like, you saying I can't go to college on an academic scholarship? So I was like, mm -hmm. okay. Even though TC won a state title that year, so I'm still kicking myself for that. But I was <laughs> like, okay. Um, so I, I just focused on it. And, and one of my friends who played football was like, I'm taking this marketing class. So it was this, this guy, named, it was this white guy named Skip Riggins from Galax, Virginia. He had this real country accent and smoke cigarettes all the time. And, but, you know, he was nice to me and he really like encouraged me. So I was like, I'm going to go to tech too. And I want to teach marketing one day. Literally, I put my arm around him and said, one day it's going to be 
Riggins and Diggins, and I'm going to teach right here. That's cute. Yeah. <laughs> that's how it happened. Yep. That is crazy. Okay, but that's the marketing side. So how did you, how did you kind of transform into the educational side? So the, or do they go hand in hand? So they go hand in hand. It was crazy initially. Um, I don't know if you all knew this. Um, so I had applied to a couple of schools, James Madison, Syracuse, North Carolina A&T. Um, I applied to Virginia Tech because of a guidance counselor, right? And, and because of this gentleman, this teacher, Dr. Riggins, but I wanted to go to North Carolina A&T. My brother had gone there. He had, he had taken us to Aggie Fest in high school, right? Which he probably shouldn't have, but <laughs> that we're gonna have, have to dedicate an entire show to that, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, I, I didn't go to a and I wound up going to Virginia Tech and I was going to major in like management science or something like that. So literally the first week I'm signing up for classes and I'm like, math, math, uh, no, nah, let's see, marketing education, no math, no math, I'm taking marketing education, literally. Um, so, and, and because of, of that teacher, I was like, well, I'm going to, I want to be a marketing teacher, right? So okay. uh, that's how it started. So what exactly was, what was your official major? Marketing. Well, it was management science and it, it literally changed uh, three days into the first semester to marketing education. Got it. I didn't mm -hmm. know that existed. Me yeah. neither. Interesting. Okay. Yep. All right, Sherry. All right. So we'll trans, we'll fast forward a little bit. Uh, mm -hmm. Of course, a lot of it. Fast forward to the Panamera, <laughs> and you know what we're dealing with right now. Right. And um, as a single person with no children, I am. I only hear about what's going on in the school system and things like mm -hmm. that. But mm -hmm. I know a lot of the stuff that I've heard has dealt with children who are falling behind yeah. um, because of you know work, school from home, and things like that. And I know now that that the the students are transitioning back to school. Um, what have you seen as far as um, the children and the teachers sort of uh, adjusting to our new normal? Um, and uh, what um, what sort of uh, improvements or changes have you all implemented to sort of make sure that too many people don't fall through the cracks and don't fall too far behind? That's a good question. You know, in terms of the students, um, I think the big thing is they miss the social interaction with their peers, right? Mm -hmm. I think the majority of them, I think, have this renewed um, conviction and, and appreciation for their peers and, and for their teachers, right? They realize they really miss their teachers. Um, and and turn, look, it, it was, I remember our superintendent getting us ready. Like we were told to have lesson plans ready for up to a month and we were doing that. And then we got the call like, hey, you know, we're closing schools. So we were ahead of the game in, in that regard, but it's, it's totally different, right? If you remember uh, taking a college class, but also taking an online class ever, right? Like it's not for everyone, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, so we kind of transitioned to that, you know, as educators without having the training. It is different, you know. Um, but, you know, in, in terms of the teachers, um, teachers have always been um, survivors, right? They're very adaptable. Um, and, and they're used to doing that with a short turnaround. Now, I'm not saying that it's ideal. It's not. 
Um, but I think teachers are like, give us the plan and then let us roll with it, right? Give us some time to, to, to do something with it. But it's funny because, you know, I, I live in Waldorf and there was kind of a informal survey done on, on a Facebook group for our development. And there were a lot of families, this was like uh, a month or so ago, there were a lot of families who were okay with staying home. They said they had just gotten into a routine, right? Mm -hmm. We had just gotten used to being at home and and mixing the schedules and, and just adapted to online learning. So they would wait and, and my development is predominantly black. And then you have some, some families in Alexandria, some, some white families who want their children to go back. Um, and you know, everyone wants to go back for the same reasons, but you know, I think it's more of missing their friends and missing their social engagement, which is just as important, don't get me wrong. And so what have we done? You know, we've, we've tried to, provide our staff with the, uh, they call it concurrent teaching, because what's going to happen literally for us next week is we're going to have teachers who are going to be, who are going to have kids in the classroom with them and those who are still at home. So they're teaching to two separate audiences. I don't, I don't believe we've given them the adequate time to do it, but again, we teachers, haven't. right. I've yeah. already started. Right. So yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> teachers are very resilient. You know, um, Leslie knows this, but teachers are very resilient. So they're making the best of it. At the same time, I think in all of this, with a pandemic going on, you have students and staff who have these anxieties, right? Um, for all that we think we know about COVID, we know nothing in terms of its transmission. So there were a lot of questions that we had to sift through, questions that continue. Um, and so I think I got to the point a couple of weeks ago where I text my principal and said, there's a lot of things that we can do. We can be nice. Um, we can smile. And I just ra raffled off like 20 things. Like, you know, when, when our kids come back, when our students come back, we have to be nice to each other, right? And just say, hey, we haven't done this before. We're all in it together. And we're going to have to get through it together. So um, I think one last thing I want to say about that is I think we parents and, and schools have to start thinking about what happens when we return, right? I think there are a lot of us who are assuming that we'll be back. And my guess is 75, 80% of, of our students will be back in the fall. That's what we're hoping for. But we can't just pick up where we left off, right? Like mm -hmm. you don't just you know, say, we're gonna do summer school and pick up the instruction that we lost. Look, instruction was lost for all of our students. I don't care what you say. I don't care if you have, if you earn all A's or all F's. So mm -hmm. we're gonna have to be very creative about how we attempt to transition students back from an instructional point of view, as well as how we socially engage students with their peers, as well as with staff. Mm -hmm. Right, and I, he made some great points, especially as we think about that, that return, because even now I've already started that return. And so the biggest thing that I noticed that they are having to adapt to is their schedule. So right. the kids who actually come in are actually having a longer day. Their day starts sooner and they're with me longer. So where we might end at maybe 1.30 on Zoom, they're with me until 2.30. And mm. so it that extra hour and their breaks are different and all those kinds of things. And some of them are not adjusting well. I mean, like they're used to having a snack. They're used to getting up when they want to go get something to eat and little things like that that you don't think about. But like he said, that established routine 
has now been interrupted once again. So it was mm -hmm. interrupted back in March. It changed to something different in the summer. It changed again in the fall. And here we are approaching spring and it's another mm -hmm. new thing. And mm -hmm. so um, I think he made a good point. It's like, we as teachers, um, we, we're resilient. We know how to adapt. And I think that the frustration is because people know that they take advantage of that and they say, they'll figure it out instead right. of really adequate, adequately preparing us so that our kids are also successful. Right. Is there any thought to like assessments when, when, when the students come back to do some sort of assessment to say, okay, where is everybody? And then potentially, you know, adjusting student schedules and grouping them according to where they are based on the time that's been missed. Because, you know, some students will be advanced. Some students adapted fine. You know, but I know a student like me who would be like, I need to be in school. I need the social interaction. Uh, I'm just going to wake up, log on and hope for the best. Like, <laughs> has there been any thought to an adjustment of lesson plans and, and things like that across the board for assessing students for where they are, for when they do return? So that's a great question, Sherry. Like, I think, I think folks are thinking about it, but now is the time to start planning for it. And Leslie and I have talked about this, right? Like, you really have to think in advance about how you want to prepare that, right? So to answer your question, like, um, we have been assessing students. I don't agree with it, right? Like, you, you are, for the first time, assessing students on a platform that you haven't done it before, mm -hmm. right? The, the map, um, <laughs> there, there's this thing called the map, and it was the, the, the idea of the first run of that was to gauge where students were, right? Mm -hmm. And then there was a, a second part of that that we just finished about uh, a couple of weeks ago. And to make a long story short, without going into what that is, like you're you're not getting the same thing. Number one, the instruction was impacted, right? Like mm -hmm. here's what most people don't understand. Our schedule has changed, right? The bell schedule, what what um, Leslie just mentioned, right? For those who are in school versus those who are at home. Um, number one. Number two, teachers have had to follow a pacing guide with less time, with less face time, right? Mm -hmm. So you may be used to seeing a student five days a week. Well, technically, you're, you're not seeing them as much and, and definitely for not the same amount of um, seat time, right? So you're rushing. It's, it's, like, it's almost like broadband, right? Like you have this very thin fiber optic network, but you're sending all of this broadband through it. So you have to ex mm -hmm. ex expand, literally expand the, the, uh, the core, the, uh, the, the fiber optics, right? So you're pushing a lot of information into a little bit of space. When you talk about how people process that, right? It doesn't work. And what we've had, literally, we've had students shut down, yeah. right? Like, I can't do it. Yeah. Um, you've had families who, who have accepted, like, look, you know, um, my child can't do it. I'm either working or I can't help them. Mm -hmm. And we've had families that have shut down. So I think you do want to assess where, where students are. And I think that would be helpful in tearing them. Because let me say this, mm -hmm. at least in preparing for SOLs in the spring, we've had our teachers who would move students um, around, like, let's mm -hmm. say, for example, Right. During an, an elective period, um, uh, a, a history teacher may say, I need to see these five students, right? Mm -hmm. Or during um, English class, I'm going to send you over to this math teacher so you can work on a little bit of math. 
So I think we're going to have to be creative with how we do this in the fall, but we have to start planning for it right now. We can't wait till June. We can't wait until August. Mm -hmm. Right. What's popping, everybody? Thanks for watching the podcast. If you're not caught up, make sure you check out our other episodes. You can watch on YouTube, Spotify, and everywhere you listen to podcasts. Kind of thinking about what you just mentioned about, you know, how families have responded. It makes me think about um, kind of like this village concept. And so mm -hmm. something that um, we kind of started to discuss, but I've also had a discussion with others as well is I feel like now more than ever, we really need each other, but because of the pandemic um, that has kind of interrupted that, but also just the whole village concept in general, mm -hmm. do you feel like it has changed over the years? I, um, I think I was watching one of my guilty pleasures, Love and Hip Hop, and they were wow. saying- <laughs> No judgment. Like, no judgment, no judgment. <laughs> We've taken the neighbor out of neighborhood and now it's just the hood. And it's just like more than ever, I feel like this is a time that we kind of have to come together and really, you know, depend and rely on each other to support because I think families are struggling, not just financially, but also, you know, from a support um from a support aspect, like as far as, you know, like you said, there are parents who are working and can't tend to their kids, but they don't have anyone else to call. Like, do you feel like that whole dynamic has kind of shifted over the years? Do you feel like um, support from each other is like, I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think you know where I'm going. <laughs> so it has changed, right? Like the village was like literally an example. I, I, so I grew up in or Landry or Chitilagua, right? Um, and there were people when we were out playing, you know, there were people who knew who my parents were, right? And if we were doing something wrong, like I got, I got caught doing something one day and it's like, Michael, what are you doing? I'm gonna tell your dad, right? And, and did tell dad, right? So it was like, the one, the expectation for your behavior conduct is one thing, right? But there were people who were gonna hold you accountable and reporting of that. So has it changed? Yes, right? To the point where it's almost kind of like mind your business, right? Mm -hmm. But I think, um, I, don't, I don't know if the average person knows what, how much, how involved schools can be and, and certain like teachers, social workers, counselors, mm -hmm. how involved they are with students, right? Like um, we, we, we get to know some personal business and I can say jokingly, you know, with Alexandria, sometimes you're like, you know, too much, right? Like, you're like, I remember this person's mom or dad when they were in high school or when something happens, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I, I'm only going to say, but so much, but, you know, to, to answer your question, I think the pandemic has unveiled some layers, right? And there are some hurt feelings, right? Um, you have some who have say, you know, we, we appreciate what teachers do. And we say we appreciate that. Some teachers feel like, um, you know, maybe their bosses or powers that be don't really value or respect them. Um, we have some families who have, for whatever reasons, right, the uh, parents who have lost their jobs or lost a source of income, or we have families who literally live in apartments with two or three bedrooms, and there's a family in each bedroom, right? We've had families who have had to move from an apartment a bedroom in an apartment to another apartment, right? For a lot of reasons. And so um, we really have to make an effort to connect that that village, right? Like you 
you literally have to plan for your students. You literally have to plan for your teachers and you have to make efforts to reach out to your families. One of my suggestions to my guidance counselors because they really do love their, their kids and their families. And it's like, this person is just not coming to school. What do we do? And I was like, you know what? Um, just call and check on them. Don't talk about school. How are you? Um, how, how, how are things going with your family? Okay, I'm just checking on you. Just do that, right? right? And ultimately we get through this and we welcome them back. Or at some point, maybe they say things are better and I'm ready to get back into school. And some people say, well, isn't that giving up? And I'm like, no, because if you're not prepared to pay their rent or to care for a loved one, you know, you got to be careful because there's a lot of stuff going on and we keep making these phone calls and there are parents who stop answering, um, turn their phones off or phones were cut off. Like they don't answer a call from the school anymore. So I think the village is still important. It looks different, but I think we have to really make a concerted effort to reach out to families. And I think too now is this is just such a different time that no one really knows what to do. There's no blueprint on how parents should handle this, teachers should handle this. It's mm -hmm. kind of just like, okay, well, what do we think is best? But you, what one person thinks is best, the other person might think is an annoyance or it's just like, not, like I said, mind your business or I'm, I'm handling my business over here. Mm -hmm. And sometimes like the, the lines get crossed on, I'm just trying to help versus you're in my business. So. Right, right. So I think um, one thing that we try to do at my school, but this is something that I believe in, right? It's like customer service is important. Like the impression, the impression that you leave on someone is important, right? Like what I can do is I can be nice to you. I can try to help you. And one of the things I always say is see it through. So it's not a case where if I call and we've had this happen, like if you call, like I need help with uh, my cell phone or with my internet, and you wind up ultimately, oh, well, let me switch you to this department, right? Mm -hmm. the, the most famous example of that is um, DirecTV, when you're trying to cancel DirecTV. Yeah. And it was like, are you sure you wanna do it? Yes, okay, um, all right, hold on one second, I'm gonna transfer it. They transfer you to the point where like, look, don't cancel it. Like, no, nah, I, so you've learned who you need to talk to, right? Uh, connect me to the disconnect department, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> But my point is like, you have to be able to see it through and you have to want to see it through. Right, but, yes. So, and, and, and like with the Hammond, with the community that, the communities that Leslie and I work in, you know, you have families that speak Amharic and Arabic mm -hmm. and uh, Spanish. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be sensitive to the needs of their culture. But at the end of the day, you just have to be nice, right? right. Um, right. And, and there are a lot of families that have, have come up to, um, our parent liaison and say, you know, I appreciate the phone call. I appreciate you listening. It's just those little things because right. there are a lot of times when folks, and this still exists, right? There are folks who have had bad experiences in middle school or high school, and that's carried on with them. There are folks who have made efforts to reach out and don't get a return phone call. Mm -hmm. There are families who, um, you heard the story about the, uh, the young man in Baltimore City who has a 0.13 grade point average, right? Mm -hmm. but, but it's in the top 20% mm -hmm. of his class. Right. And mom is saying, I've never realized that my son was failing. Like he's technically, he should be a senior, but by credits, he's a ninth grader. And a lot of people are asking, how does this happen? Oh my God. I, yeah, yeah. You, you need to really Somebody hear about that stuff. Right, yeah. right, right. Multiple people dropped it, yes. right? Mm -hmm. Yes. But, 
and and these things happen, right? Like, I'm going to be honest, we've had to have conversations with teachers who are reluctant to call families. And I'm like, how do, how do we make things better if we're afraid to talk to them? So we've had to come up with like these communication protocols from emails to making calls uh, to meeting with families in person, mm -hmm. right? So that because we're sensitive to things that have happened in the past, we're saying, if you're going to call on behalf of, of our school, this is what you need to do. And I think um, it brings me to the point, um, something that Aisha and I have discussed is extending grace, not just from teacher to student and teacher to family, but from family to teacher. Um, mm -hmm. She said that since this has begun and just from her conversations with me and hearing me vent about things that we're going through, she said, I didn't even think about how this is impacting mm -hmm. you all. I'm right. so concerned with what's happening with my child. I'm not thinking about the grace that I need to extend to them to say, this is brand new for you all as well. You are jumping into something completely different from what you have done. And, you know, like I've told people, I'm like, it's not that we're incapable, but it's not that we're not ready. It's like we're taking plans that we've had and now having to adapt them to become virtual, which is not as easy. It's not a simple transition for everything. Right. And so, um, and that's just something that word grace is something that is very important during this time and important for the village. Exactly. Yeah. But with, with just to follow up on mm -hmm. the, the child with the point one, three grade point out, like how does that happen? And for him to be in the top. So and what does top mean? So when right. you say top, like, what does that mean? So there were, now that school was kind of an academy. So okay. they don't have like, you know, T.C. Williams is like almost 5,000 kids, right? So this school doesn't have that many kids. But what Time it says what? is, yeah, that's a different story. I'm sorry, Alexandria High School. Um, but what that says is, number one, there are a lot of kids who are failing in that school, which is unacceptable, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to look at the administration in the school and the tone that they set in terms of student achievement the parent has to accept responsibility as well, right? Mm -hmm. You don't let a quarter go by. I give it to you, right? Mm -hmm. you, you don't go through an entire school year and you're not aware of, and I don't care if it's high school, right? Like your parents, there's a tendency for parents to not engage as much as you get older, which I get, but it's unacceptable that a parent is unaware of her child's grades, you know, from grades nine through 12. So mm -hmm. there are a lot of people. Now in general, like, when you talk about someone failing, it, it starts with each individual teacher in the class. It's the guidance counselor, it's the administrator, it's the, the school principal, and it's the parent. So there are five people, there are five filters, and it's the student. And it's right. right. Mm -hmm. So there are six filters that, that it has to go through, right? And there should be an alarm ringing. Like one thing that um, most people don't realize, like when I was working at TC Williams as the Dean of Students, this was from like 2010, up until 2015, the class of 2013 at that time had the highest cohort graduation index, which means the number of kids that you keep from grades nine through 12, right? Oh, wow. mm -hmm. So at that time, 2013 had the highest CGI at that time, mm -hmm. right? And that was not just, that was a combination of our teachers, but definitely our counselors and our social workers, right? Mm -hmm. Like talking to our kids, encouraging them, inspiring them, and the kids doing the work. You know, those things are important. Um, so what we had to do on a day-to-day -day basis is just checking in on our kids and how they were doing. And, and, and that's important, right? To, mm -hmm. 
to, to make, look, when, when students are failing, like that's that ultimately that's the school's fault, plain and simple. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can't imagine 1.3 and you're technically supposed to be in the night. So is no. there like a, no, no, not 1.3. A point one three. I'm going to send you guys the article because it's even it, worse. They, they posted it in a this group I'm in on Facebook, Black Educators mm -hmm. Rock, and we right. kind of just like and and so again, what, it makes me think about the village because we come in there and offer up suggestions and helpful tips. Uh, <laughs> what you thought? Right. I was was there finish? an in story to this? Was this recent? Yes. Mm -hmm, this was recent. This was recent. So it says that the city student passes three classes in four years, ranks near top of half class with zero point one three. He's only passed three classes in the last four years. Right. But he's in the top, whatever. That's still, like you said, that, that, that is. Yeah, that's that. Scary and unacceptable. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It makes it's, me think, well, like what community is this and what's going on in that community? Right. That many right. students to be following. Right. Yeah. Right. The mom and said it's after four years. Yeah. After four years of high school, um, her 17 year old must start over. He's been moved back to ninth grade. Can he just get his GED at this point? Because. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, you're going to have to make some wholesale changes in that school, right? It, it That reeks of how they feel about kids. Right. And how they operate, you know, and, and I'm sorry, it's going to be a reflection on that school system, which is not fair, oh, yeah. but yeah, this, they, they need to yeah. wholesale changes. Absolutely. Right. They said in in the last four years he's been late or absent two hundred and seventy two times. In the, the last mom, four years, yes. So mm -hmm. he wasn't attending class. He wasn't doing his work, but no one was reaching out to, to mom. Mom didn't know. But I mean, there's a lot of people at fault here. Everybody's at fault. Right. Yeah. Is at fault. Mom is at fault. Teachers mm -hmm. are at fault. School system. Right. Everybody's at fault. Right. Every last person. Right. And does he have, I mean, I don't know if you know this, but does he have siblings? Like, is there? Yes. Yes. I think Are mom mentioned, in not in the school, I think they're younger, but I, I remember mom mentioning at least two or having three total. So there were, there were some other siblings involved, but still. Oh no, I was just wondering, I'm like, cause yeah. you, you never even thought to say, oh, let me look at your report card. I'm like, so what are the other, is this the repeat pattern with the other two kids? It's just. That's right. kind of scary too. That's scary as a parent because I would be concerned. Like, are they going to take my kids and my unfit parent? Like, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I'll send you the article. It's Ooh. a lot. When yeah, my brother was late to school a couple of times, and I remember he had to go in, and mom had to go in, and mm -hmm. there was a whole yeah. ordeal. Yeah, it was like he's he's been late for too many times in the same like semester. Mom, mm -hmm. what's going on? And. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's like, you know, and that's the state of Maryland, but, you know, regardless in the state of Virginia, there, there's, there are laws about mandatory attendance right. at yep. schools, mm -hmm. plain yeah, and right. simple, unless a judge um, releases you from that, you mm -hmm. have to go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. By law. Yep. We were just talking about that because we've seen students with this new, like he said, there are parents who have just given up. Yeah and said, my kid can't do this, so they're just not going to attend. And I'm like, yeah, that, that, that can't do that either. So right. yeah, we right. got to figure out how to, mm -hmm. to do something to make it work, but you can't just not attend. Right. Um, so from that, it makes me then think about 
So one thing that I've experienced is, is not really stress, but anxiety. My anxiety levels have definitely risen because I've definitely, and they've gone down a lot because my kids are really, really great. But I, I went into this, like, how am I going to do this? How, how's this going to work? Are they going to get anything? Are they retaining anything? I'm doing all this work. I feel like I'm always yelling to make sure that they hear me because of the internet. Like it's all of these things going through their mind. And so um, what advice do you have from a, like, I guess, from like a self-care standpoint, not just for educators, but just for adults in general, like how important is it to take care of self right now, especially? It is vitally important that you take care of yourself. Um, and, and, you know, just a couple of things. Number one, like being an educator, like you're on stage, right? And, you know, to some extent, I've tried to have, make fun of that. You know, um, because the thing is, it's like you you're in these classrooms, you're in these environments and, you know, your it's like your character flaws come out. You know what I mean? Like, um, are you organized? Are you disciplined? How do you speak? How do you dress? How do you talk? Like all of these things are out there. And for me, when I when I first started teaching, I just turned 22. You know what I mean? So yes. and, and everybody and so was like this. <laughs> well, look, but but look, I, there was a point where I realized that I needed to dress a certain way to, to separate myself, right? Like, hence, literally getting the three-piece suits to look older, right? Right. But but you know, a, yes. a part of that is I had to I had to mature into being an educator, and like, so th there may have been an aspect of me that I had to change to be a better professional, if that makes sense, right? Like I had to be more organized. I had to be more focused. Um, I had to learn to, to be a better listener, right? So those things were important, but, you know, even, so I, I wanted to say with that, like there were, and, and in marketing, marketing was great for me because it allowed me to be creative, right? So I began to create these, these kind of personas, right? Like, um, the, the whole Diggy thing that came about, right? That little nickname. And then I would be like, well, D.I., like T.I., or the notorious D.I.G. Like, just, let's just make fun <laughs> of it, right? So, but it was important for me. And I see some celebrities that do this, right? Like, through their social media now. They give just enough of themselves to satisfy their fans, right? But also to be real. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, so, and I've been very blessed in that when I've had conversations with folks where I needed to, in, in order to relate to someone, I need them to know that I am going through things that you're going through. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's what some folks have respected about me mm -hmm. because that was the case. Like, you know, teachers don't make a lot of money. You know, I'm fortunate now, but look, I'm 26 years in, but I was struggling. Um, I was working multiple jobs. I don't know if y'all realize this, but like there was a period between the time that I was coaching Rodney and coaching y'all where, I would literally leave track practice. I was going out to, uh, out to, uh, it was Fairfax County, way out 66 to work at Kohl's, right? I was uh, cleaning grocery no stores. Idea. Yeah, I was cleaning grocery stores with my brother, like at a, a, some court reporting office, right? Like until eight, nine o'clock. So it, it was a struggle, right? And look, to, I had that uh, Infinity J30 like fronting, like I should have never bought that car, right? That car was- <laughs> Yeah, that Infinity. I do. That, car, that car had a phone in it. It was never turned on, right? <laughs> uh, it had a leak when it rained outside, that water ran down. 
the uh, windshield into the car. Um, I remember going to my parents' house one day, I'm coming down the hill and brakes, brake pads, rotors are gone and my dad heard me and I didn't even have enough money to, to fix it. You know, that, that was kind of a changing point. My dad was, I had to borrow money from him to fix my car. Um, so I realized I needed to make some changes. So a part of that was even when I was a track coach, I'm like, I'm not going to put you all through a workout that I haven't gone through. Mm-hmm. And, and how does that, you know, stand through today? Like, this sounds crazy, but you know, I work out like, um, for example, there are three floors at Hammond and, you know, I don't want to be that person that gets to the top floor and I got to <sighs> hold your knees, mm-hmm. yeah. hold yourself up. Like, why am I breathing so hard? So my workout would be how many times can I go up and down those stairs 10 times and not breathe hard? So I'm on a treadmill. I'm doing a thousand steps. You know what I mean? Like, so I realized I need to take care of myself. So I would get up at 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning and I was going to Planet Fitness to work out, right? <laughs> like a lot of people don't know that. I became a vegetarian um, almost three years ago. You know what I mean? So there are wholesale changes, sacrifices that you have to make in order to take care of yourself. Um, and that's important because if you want to be a good professional, then you have to treat yourself equally as if not better. And so there were times when I first started as an administrator where you know I was getting to, to work at five o'clock with the engineer. And I was like, show me what you do. And like to, to open the building. And then I would get home at seven or eight. And my wife was like, you know, hey, when are we going to spend some time together? And, um, you know, it, it, it took its impact on our, our marriage to the point where it was like, okay, you need to come home. Right. right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, initially we, we had talked about having children and then we, we decided it was, it was funny how it came up. Um, like, okay, when we first got married, we both said we, before we wanted to have children and we were like, yeah. So how do you feel about it now? And I was like, honestly, I'm happy with us being able to travel, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, me too. Right. Like, <laughs> great. You don't have that. to worry about that. So I was like, I have plenty of nephews uh, and nieces and y'all where I don't feel like, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't feel like, you know, that my, my legacy, I need to have a seed, blah, blah. No, I don't feel that way, but I feel very strongly, especially now. Right. Like you have to take care of yourself physically. You have to take care uh-huh. of yourself emotionally. Right. Like for me, it's my thoughts, the images, the sounds, all of them have to be inspiring and encouraging. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's gotten me to the point now where like, you know, I've, I've returned to school past couple of weeks and like I prayed on it and I reflect and I also meditate. And the meditation is like when I feel anxious or when I feel upset mm-hmm. to stay focused, right? Don't allow anyone to occupy space in your brain, right? So the meditation part allows me to stay focused. Like this person is really irritating me, but what is it that I'm trying to accomplish, right? And as long as they're not being disrespectful, then I'm like, that's not really important right now. So I'm gonna like kind of Thanos you over here to, or I'm gonna say, how can we get this done? I don't like you, but how can we get this done, right? So um, yeah, that that part, I, I'm I'm big on that now, like taking care of myself, so. We'll have to do another segment about this whole vegetarian and vegan lifestyle. 
So, and I want to be very careful, right? So, um, we are, I am a vegetarian, um, but I don't eat dairy, right? And I don't eat eggs. So, um, I want to be clear with that because I don't want to be like, I don't want the vegan folks after me, but I want to be respectful. I'm trying to get to that point, but yeah. it's hard sometimes when you see cookies and be like, oh, they, they put eggs in those cookies. <laughs> But I'm finding these okay. these vegan spots where they don't have that now. So, but I'm going to get to that point one day. But I am a vegetarian, and it's you know it's it's changed my life. Good for you, Leslie. I did it for like sixty days. Right. So, yeah. I think if you find some like good recipes, it's not that bad. Right. It's a mental half of it's mental too. So. It is, and I love chicken. And fish. But, but you know, the, the the other motivation from that is this, like, um, I remember my dad passed away in 2012. And what we did, what I didn't realize was that he had a prevailing heart condition that was diagnosed in his 40s. Mm. Now he lived another uh, 30 some odd years, right? But you know, it's important to know your family history, right? So okay. you can get it checked out. Um, I am thinking now, and ladies, uh, Leslie knows this, but I can retire early retire next year for retirement in 2025. So mm -hmm. I am thinking of how I want to feel, not look how I want to feel 10 years from now. Mm -hmm. And so I have to invest in my body mm -hmm. um, in order to be able to reap the benefits of that retirement. And so I'm not going to stop working. I can't do that. But you have heard cases where people stop working and they literally break down, mm -hmm. right? So education is not going to be. I can't work. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not doing that, right? So, but um, it there is a case where, um, you know, you have people who have knee replacements and hip surgeries and all this stuff. Like, nah, like I'm, I'm. If it's the weight, I, if if I have a bad knee, I. I Take care of the weight or i'm going to work out to strengthen everything around the knee so i want to be vibrant and traveling and doing things 10 20 years from now but i have to invest in that right now agree and mentally too yes yes you don't want your, your brain to go your mind to go down mm -hmm. yeah. Yep. yeah i might add that to my my little wrinkle in my head like okay in 10 years from now sherry we still want to be able to be stunting on the beach and be yeah. able to yeah. hike and walk up the Mayan ruins without going up 10 steps and being like, whoo. Yeah, it's uh, hot. <laughs> Why is but it it's so just hot? Like, it's just like, think about 10 years ago from now, like when we were in our early, our late 20s mm -hmm. to where we are now. It's like, look at that shift. And you right. think about the next 10 years and think about that shift. Right, right. Wow. 28-year-old um, Leslie. <laughs> I had two fully intact Achilles. One wasn't surgically repaired, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> hey, and I, I just like I just stopped playing basketball. Like, I'm okay. I don't have to do that anymore. But uh, seriously, like, I, and I don't think about this by no stretch of the imagination. But like, other than the gray that you see now, like, I embrace that, right? But um, some people are surprised when they say, like, I'll be 49 this year, mm -hmm. and some people are like, you don't look 49. And I mean, it's, I think it's in part of my diet, yes. but it's also, um, I think it's the, uh, the emotional part too, like how I feel about myself too, you know, like that's important. Um, so I think when I turned 40, I was scared for about 
three seconds. Like, man, I'm 40, like I'm almost 50. Like, you know, because when when I was a teenager, I'm like, my parents in their 40s, they're old. Like they just yeah, stay exactly. in the house, they don't yeah. do nothing. Even 30, right? thinking about 30 years old. Right. Like, that's old. Right, yeah. right. But you know, the 40s have been the best years of my life, like financially, um, socially, um, just from every aspect I can imagine, life is much better now. And I feel as good as I've ever felt. Like what a lot of people also didn't know, I don't know if I have any pictures of Fat Mike, I refer to my alter ego as Fat Mike. <laughs> so, you know, in third grade, I was 150 pounds, right? Yeah. Oh, so, oh, but how tall were you? Wasn't like six. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, a little portly. Yeah, a little, little roly fat, poly, a little, a little fat, Christmas ham. A little fat Mike, right? A little biggie, a little diggy. Um, <laughs> And so I used to wear those husky jeans from Sears, right? Like here I am in elementary school wearing a size 36, right? So I was like, man, I'm gonna do something about this. So I'm like nine or 10 years old. Mm -hmm. um, my doctor used to be directly across from Hammond Middle School. Mm -hmm. And I was like, it was cool. This doctor has an office in this house that looks like a mansion. But anyway, I'm nine or 10 years old um, and I have high blood pressure. And the doctor, I'll never forget this. He said, Mike, we have a lot of, of, of fat around your heart and it's putting pressure on your heart. You're going to have to lose weight. So I'm looking at mom like, am I going to die? She's like, no, you're not going to die. <laughs> Gosh. But, you, but you need to lose weight. So um, I was like trying catch up with no salt in it or, or sugar. And, you know, my weight went down a lot. But I always had this image of myself as fat Mike, like even through college. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Um and I can look at the pictures and, and what I see and what other people see were, were markedly different. You know what I mean? So it's important for me to feel good about myself, right? And I think once you start there, then everything else um, will take care of itself. And it took a, a long while to be comfortable in my own skin. And I, I don't know if you hear men talk about that a lot. I know it's unfortunate that we have these these images that we put out there of young women, which I disagree with, like we're gonna have to talk about that at some point. But um, it took a long time for me to accept that. And all of these, like the forties was that reckoning for me. It's also like, you know, when you're in your twenties and early thirties, it's like these things, this kind of put on perception, if you will, like me buying the the J30, right? Broke, that thing was <laughs> as, you know, that whole fill up with $5, like, that's not filling up, right? Like, that's, <laughs> that's all I got in my pocket right now. Um, so I don't feel the pressure to have to do that. You know what I mean? It, it's important for me to feel good. And I, I, I began to realize that once I got into my 40s. I also think that a lot of, well, younger people think that you peak in your 20s. And if you think that, then you're probably doing life wrong. Hello. <laughs> it's like, Hi. it's supposed to go up and up and up. But it's yes. like, some people just think like, oh, when I get to 21, da, da, da. it's like, no. You have, no. You have multiple peaks. Yes. Right. Multiple so peaks. many things. Yeah. And you know, that's, that's, yeah. what I, that's what I respect about each of you. And, and especially, I want to shout you out, Asia, because like, I never <laughs> want... And I never want, and I, I want you all to, to know this too, and everyone who's watching this, like never let anyone define who you are, right? Like I always say professionally, I'm an administrator and my title is Dean of Students, but don't lock me into Dean of Students stuff, right? Like I'm not the face of discipline, like you're in trouble, right? Like don't, don't do that. Or don't say, 
you know, you can't do this or you can't say that. Like, never. Because when people say that, that's when I start to do it and excel at it, right? Because it keeps you in a box. And, and especially, look at all the great things. March is Women's History Month. Look at all the great things women have done, right, and are doing right now. Right. And it's not, well, you know, women don't play sports, okay? You have the, uh, the, the young woman who was named president of operations for the Miami Marlins, right? You have the sister with DC United you know, vice president of United. So there are a lot of things that women can do. And and those- And that one that you just sent me that's now a referee. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Um, Maya something. Um, mm -hmm. I forget her last name, I apologize. But, you know, like no one should tell you that you can't do something, especially if it's like gender based, but just in general, never let anyone tell you what you can and cannot do. And they're pretty much just telling you because they can't do it. Like that's, that it's a reflection on them at the end of the day. It's, right. it's, it's from a hint to a lot of hating in that, right? Mm -hmm. And, but you know, also a part of the, the mental part of that is like, you have to dump, like you really have to discipline how you think, right? Like I personally, I don't like people who acknowledge haters, right? Like you sometimes on social media, like I know all my haters thinking it's like, bro, why are you thinking about your haters? That's about them, right. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't do that. Mm -mm. Um, but you know, you, you really have to dump that stuff. Like um, you really have to focus. I, I hate to make it sound like, you know, it, you have to be selfish in some regard to think about what's best for you. You know what I mean? Um, that's important. So as you can see, Michael Diggins is the bomb. <laughs> I mean, I think that he is definitely my mentor because of these kinds of conversations and the push that he gives. And today's conversation could definitely go on and on and on. There's a lot of stuff to touch on, um, but we just want to say thank you. Um, I think that we all can say that you have definitely made a positive impact on our, all of our lives. And we're definitely grateful that it didn't stop in high school, but it's been right. able to continue well into adulthood. And so we just want to publicly thank you um, for all of the work that you have put into us and as well as the ACPS system and every life that you have touched, you know, and have impacted. Um, are there any final words that you would like to share with us about well, first, how amazing we are? <laughs> yes. Well, first of all, thank you for saying that, right? Like, like I said, there were some folks, there was a village that poured into me mm -hmm. and, you know, like, my my relationship with you all right is like for life right so um you know it's it's not about knowing how to do everything you have to be resourceful like knowing who you can get certain things from and i, I know that sounds bad but you know like if if i'm resourceful for you just in terms of listening or what do you think if i can redirect you then that's what i'm supposed to do right so you know i encourage you all to keep keep growing, right? I don't want you to think that, you know, um, this is it for me, right? So um, just be open to anything. Uh, allow things to be on the table. Don't say, I'll never do this, or I'll never say that. Um, I think that's, that's how you enjoy life, by allowing yourself to be open to experiencing new things. All right, so we'll end it there. Again, thank you so much for joining us. And of course, we'll talk to you offline. But thank you so much for sharing all of your insight with us. All right. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Well, that was such a great chat with Mr. Michael Diggins, our favorite person. <laughs>
All right. So don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Subscribe for the vibes. Follow us on all social media, Spotify, and listen to our playlist over there while you're at it. And I think that's everything. So without further ado, shall we toast it up? Yes, let's. With my water. Let's toast it up. All right. <laughs> Lady Cougars on three. One, two, three. Lady, Lady Cougars. Bye, y'all. Bye. Somebody say Lady Cook is on three.